the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and 107 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea Kay. Good evening. Happy Mardi Gras. Happy New Hampshire primary night, and welcome to the Andrea Kay Show. It is Tuesday night here. And I promise y'all, by next week, we are going to have the new intro loaded up. Are we not DJ Carrot Sticks? I thought I had it in loaded tonight, but I don't know. <laughs> the system's not working with me. Well, you know what it is? It is Mardi Gras. And you know what? People tend to get a little distracted around Mardi Gras Day with all the different shenanigans and different things going on. Even here in San Diego, they've got what they think is like a Mardi Gras that happens here in San Diego. Although, actually, they took it away on Tuesday, and now they don't have it in the gas lamp quarter on actual Mardi Gras Day anymore. They've got like Fat Saturday going on. I don't even know what the heck that means. And you know what? (gasps) Yeah. Here's a little preview. There it is. That's the preview of my new intro coming up next week. Awesome. Um, Back to my Mardi Gras, though. You know, the bottom line is, except no substitutes. The only real Mardi Gras happens down in New Orleans. They actually, you know, they may have offshoots in BR or Mobile or Slidell, but if really want to experience Mardi Gras, and it's something that everybody should do at some point in their life, at least once, uh, you got to do it in New Orleans. But tonight's not really about what's happening in New Orleans. Most eyes are actually on Manch Vegas, Manchester, New Hampshire. And I actually have spent quite a bit of time in Manchester. I got a whole lot of extended family in New Hampshire. And it's funny because I was just reading some Facebook posts on the way in. And I saw that a good friend of mine and most of you out there on Facebook said tonight, I won't say his name because he, you know, he didn't. I I don't quote people unless I've gotten their permission, but he said that it's official that New Hampshire has lost their minds tonight. And you know what? With all the extended family that I have there, I'm not exactly surprised that some people might think that because there's a lot of crazy happening politically in New Hampshire. Also, a lot of really interesting stuff to, to really sift through tonight. Some of it's still breaking. I mean, there's still numbers that are being counted right now. So by the end of the show, I'm hoping that we have the full count, although we really know the headlines for tonight. But we're going to get into all the ins and outs of it. I've got Matthew Boyle from Breitbart, who's going to be on here. He's actually got, he's my boots on the ground. He's actually in New Hampshire. So he's going to be calling in, and I'm interested to kind of pick his brain for some maybe behind-the-scenes stuff that's going on. I'm not sure what the bigger story is tonight. I'm not sure that it's really, you know, Trump's win, which a lot of people are surprised by because they're saying that going into this, given the supposed upset in Iowa, the supposed shock result in Iowa, that maybe the support for Trump really was never what it was supposed to be. So was he really going to end up having the big result tonight that was projected with the polls? And he did. Is that the big story tonight? Or is it really the big story, the Sanders 
win tonight over Hillary. I think, in fact, I think the spread between both Trump and number two and Sanders and number two being Hillary was about the same, almost 20 points. It's like 18 or 19 points. That 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 is... That is kind of shocking even to me. Even what I know about the crazies in New Hampshire, because I've I've really wanted to jab myself in the eyeball trying to have a conversation with any of my extended family that lives there because that's how crazy some of these liberals are in the state of New Hampshire. I'm still kind of shocked by it. And as I was sitting there seeing these results and how Sanders won, I, I had a flash And I'm not sure if you actually saw this in the last day or so, but there was a a Hillary speech that she gave and there was two guys sitting behind her and they had T-shirts on that, you know, she's got that logo with the H and the arrow and something about time for Hillary. And they're both sitting there right behind the podium. Somebody picked them and intentionally sat them there. And they were young guys. That was supposed to be the counter to Bernie because Bernie's got like by seven to one, he's got the young vote, even though he's a 74 year old white, old white dude, right? And they've got T-shirts on that say, settle for Hillary. And I thought, <laughs> when that's when that's what you're trying to scrounge up for support. I mean, did they not know that these guys were going to wear that? I don't know where that came from. But I flash back on that tonight because really that's kind of what is – As I look at both parties tonight, I'm thinking, what is the message from New Hampshire? I'm thinking, is it – Is it an anomaly that we see Sanders with such a win and we see Trump with such a win? Two completely out of the box, beyond what is normal politics for America. Is it an anomaly or is it truly a snapshot of where we are as a nation? Because if you look at New Hampshire... They are a state of a whole lot of independence. They're a state that's got a lot of far left people, true, but they've also got a state of, of, of full of independent thinkers who don't decide until that day who they're going to support. They put a lot of thought of it, actually, before they're going in to decide who to vote. Ninety-something percent of the Republicans said that the debate Saturday night affected their vote. These are conscious thinkers. So even if you're somebody who thinks right now they're all full of crazy in New Hampshire, these are people that put thought into their crazy. And if the Republican Party that we have been hearing since 2008 and 2012 was that we've got to have candidates that can attract independents, that can attract people from the other side of the aisle, Democrats, what is this? What is this message tonight? What does this tell us? Is this a snapshot of what the general election will be like in the electorate? And if so, maybe the Republican Party needs to think about that. Something else that jumped out at at me tonight was, was it really so much of a surprise? Should it have been a surprise that Trump won by the margin he did? Because the polls indicated that he that he was going to win around 30 something percent. That's what the polls said going into it. But, Andrea, everybody was saying that, well, we can't really trust the polls because the polls had him up in Iowa as well. And that ended up not being the case. Well, some people are pointing out tonight that maybe those polls really were accurate and all the misreporting with Carson dropping out and whether or not you think that what Cruz did was was above board or not. The bottom line is I'm now thinking like a lot of people are that maybe those results there were skewed. I'm not saying that Trump really would have necessarily won, but I absolutely do think that it affected the outcome come that night 
I'm not saying Cruz would not have won, but what I'm saying is, is we don't really know had that not gone down with Carson, what the true results would have been in Iowa. I think that it's clear now coming out of New Hampshire. We're going to get into some of this. If you're just tuning in, this is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170 KCBQ. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. I'm on Facebook. Go to my website, AndreaKShow.com. We're... After the break, we're going to come back. We're going to talk to Matthew Boyle, and we're going to get into some of what went down in there. A lot of it, a lot of interesting stuff went down in terms of the entrance polls and the exit polls and why they voted the way they did. But I clearly think that one of the messages, the key message coming out of this, particularly as it relates to Trump, is I absolutely do think establishment Republicans wake up. The support for Trump is real. Whether or not it was... He would have ended up winning. I'm not saying, like a lot of people are, oh, he really should have said a victory speech tonight and claimed Iowa. I'm not saying that. But I don't think that the 5% that he lost in Iowa accurately reflected the support for him. Um, what I also think is, and, and I want to pick Matthew Boyle's brain about this, because if 90-something percent of the people, of the Republicans who said that the, the debate Saturday night affected their decision. Why didn't Christie do better? I'm really curious now why it ended up the way it did in the number three and the number four area. Why Christie and why Ruby? What happened to Marco Mentum? And if Marco Mentum was, and, and you know, and we got to think about number three and number four and number five because New Hampshire is not the end all be all. We got to go to South Carolina. We got to go into Florida. We've we had Santorum who hung around forever. We don't necessarily know that any of these guys are going to to get the message and leave. We have a battle for the establishment lane that's been going on with Christie and Rubio and Bush and Kasich. They're fighting it out. I think that the writing should be on the wall for Christie. I don't I, I, I want to pick Matthew Boyle's brain on this. Why he didn't. The, the big story, the narrative coming out of the debate Saturday night was that the governor's won. I made my case against the governors on Monday because I thought And my thing was, they are, if this is the year of the outsider and this is the year against the establishment, then it should be the year against the governor because that there's no more establishment gig than being a governor. And that's really what Christie represented coming out of that. And I think he took a gamble with that. I think his whole thing was, I'm going to knock Rubio out for being inexperienced, but I don't think he really realized the extent of how important that was to New Hampshire voters that they not have somebody with all that experience because what that experience represented to them was the establishment. And they don't want any more than that. But then again, if Christie didn't get any mo out of that, why wasn't it a knockout punch for Rubio? And if it wasn't a knockout punch for Rubio, why didn't Rubio get more momentum going? So I don't have the answers to all these questions. These are all the kinds of things that we got to think about because as we're going into Florida, one of the things that Rubio is now telling Jeb is, hey, one of us got to go because if what if we both stay in it or Jeb, if you stay in it and you end up winning it in Florida, we're going to end up with a Trump nominee because basically, you know, Rubio is telling Jeb that there ain't any way that he can beat Trump. So lots of moving pieces in this, lots of moving parts. We're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to talk to Matthew Boyle from Breitbart. We're going to get his perspective on the ground and see if he's got some of these same questions. Maybe he's got some answers to some of my questions. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. So glad to have you here with me tonight. Be 
sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Want to start living better, longer? La Vida Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's Best Local Pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 do you struggle with the day-to-day management of your business proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency automation continuity proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales inventory customer management and financial reporting Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today, 877-749-3533. Mark Larson and Tony Ramirez of Singing Hills Memorial Park. Tony, a great time to visit Singing Hills Memorial Park. Always a beautiful place to visit, but the Butterfly Garden, tell us about that. Yes, Mark, it's called Butterfly Kisses. It's right in front of our brand new mausoleum, and that's another place that you need to see. Come out and visit us. We'll take you for a tour and look at our beautiful gardens that we have there at Singing Hills. Singing Hills Memorial Park, as I've been saying for years, is not what you think of in a cemetery, and while the don't want to talk about the inevitable in life. That's one of those things that's kind of awkward to talk about. You talk to the folks at Singing Hills, you'll understand from the start, not only is it a beautiful place, but it's a beautiful thing to do for your loved ones. Make plans now, just like you buy life insurance, plan for the future so they don't have to worry about it at some other time down the line. Singing Hills Memorial Park. Singing Hills Memorial Park. Call 619-444-3000. 619-444-3000. Every day is a new day of fun and inspiration with a purpose at the San Diego Air and Space Museum in Balboa Park. That's also where you can get the Balboa Park Explorer Pass, good for 17 different cultural attractions like the San Diego Air and Space Museum. Check out the 4D Theater. That's unlimited viewings available with your general admission. There's the optional simulator rides and, of course, the brand-new exhibition. Everybody's been talking about it. There for a limited time, it's called Da Vinci, the Ultimate Innovator, only at the San Diego Air and Space Museum, Balboa Park. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Get your ticket in your hand. You want to go to New Orleans. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Thank you, DJ Carrot Sticks, playing some of my most favorite Mardi Gras songs of all time. 
just gosh, it just makes me so happy. And I really encourage you all to get to get down there at some point in your life if you haven't been down there. Uh, we're we're trying to get Matthew on the line. We talked to him before the show, and he said he'd be ready. He's at a very loud place, so we're going to get a hold of him as soon as we can. And in the meantime, I want to go over some of these these polling numbers and and really kind of break down what happened here because um, it te- seems pretty clear. You know, if if you look at it, it, okay, we've got Matthew Boyle with us from Breitbart. Hey, Matthew. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. I'm glad we were able to get a hold of you. I didn't know it. I didn't know whose victory rally you might be at. <laughs> I'm back to Washington here from Manchester, New Hampshire. Oh. Um, so I have my phone on the charger. Sorry about that. It's no. been a crazy night. No, that's um, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so tell us what before the break. I, I was kind of getting into kind of some of the ins and outs of what happened, and kind of some questions that I've got going into it. I mean, we all know Trump won, right? Which yeah, it's a landslide victory too. It's a landslide victory for Donald Trump. Blew away every single expectation. He won by at least eighteen points, thirty-four percent right now with uh, about 70 percent uh the uh, just under 70 percent of the, the votes counted i mean this is a landslide victory for donald trump uh the entire permanent political class is on the run and it not only validates him in terms of his support but does it also not validate the polling system which came under question in iowa in fact there's some people tonight saying you know what maybe he really did better in iowa than and and the polls were not quite as off and that it could have been a result of the carson snafu with the reports that he was possibly dropping out in that whole thing well, look, I don't think anybody wants to look back to Iowa. Iowa's in the rearview mirror. Donald Trump got a whole bunch of delegates out of Iowa. He only got one less delegate than Ted Cruz in Iowa anyway. Yeah. So Trump is the big winner here tonight in New Hampshire. He's on to South Carolina from here. He's pulling way ahead of the rest of the field in South Carolina. And, uh, you know, look, I think it's a, it's really coming down to uh, because of the fact that Marco Rubio has just fallen apart. Uh, you know, I mean, look, right now Marco is battling for fifth place with Jeb Bush. And that uh, was one of my... Well, excuse me for interrupting. That was one of the questions that I had posed before the break is what happened with Marco Mentum? Okay, we had in, 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 we had 90-something percent of the Republicans in the exit poll saying that the debate Saturday night influenced their decision. If so, then why didn't Christie's, maybe that maybe Rubio's bad performance then is why he didn't do so well, but then why didn't Christie maximize that knockout punch on him? And my theory is it's because he represents the establishment. His whole thing about being the experienced guy is not what New Hampshire said they wanted. They said the majority of them said they wanted an outsider. Well, look, I mean, there's no doubt about it that Christie delivered a knockout punch to, to Marco Rubio on Saturday night in the debate. Uh, he exposed Rubio for being the robot that he is. He actually turned Rubio's biggest strength, his ability to recite talking points that were handed to him by his masters in the donor class, the people that are donating to Rubio's campaign, the millionaires and billionaires. Um, and turned it into Rubio's biggest weakness. That being said, Christie has not run the best campaign. He just hasn't. He hasn't been out there aggressively doing interviews. In fact, Christie uh, repeat. I mean, I've interviewed Jeb Bush. I've interviewed John Kasich. I've interviewed Donald Trump. I've interviewed Ted Cruz. I've interviewed Marco Rubio. Christie won't sit down with us for an interview at Breitbart. I mean, he's he, for some reason on uh, you know was being running a very controlled campaign. Was not. Uh, uh, really engaging people. But, yeah, so, I mean, while he did expose Rubio for what he is, he didn't take advantage of that or any other opportunity that was that was in front of him. 
And now look, he's on his way back to New Jersey tonight. He isn't officially suspending his campaign, but he's, he's telling people, his supporters, that he's going to be rethinking things. So, well. um, look, I mean, this is really kind of shaping up into a very much a two-man race between Donald Trump and Ted Cruz heading into South Carolina with some last gasps from the establishment-backed candidates like Kasich, Bush, and Rubio. Um, but well, why wouldn't Kasich be able? Why wouldn't Kasich be able to to maximize this and do some quick fundraising and try to get a ground game going in South Carolina? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, you know what's interesting is the narrative that you hear on the Fox News Channel and from a lot of the establishment uh, is that Kasich doesn't have a chance after here in New Hampshire. Uh, but you know what? Actually, look at his Mississippi leadership team. He actually has the former U.S. Senate Majority Leader Trent Watt working for his campaign. He has a lot of establishment people throughout the South backing him, the appropriators. So the idea that Kasich is a one-and-done guy with New Hampshire uh, is, is, I think, a little bit far-fetched and way too early mm-hmm. for these uh, Marco Rubio supporters to be pushing that. Um, I think Kasich has a lot of uh, air left in his campaign. The question is whether or not he's actually going to capitalize on it. But Kasich has certainly outperformed that situation. And uh, he definitely has momentum behind him. Uh, and, and actually, you know, you know who else does is Jeb Bush. You know, you gotta, people are going to tip their hat to this guy. I mean, he beat Marco Rubio tonight. Uh, based on where the numbers are right now, I don't want to, you know, get ahead of myself here. But um, it's looking like Bush is going to finish ahead of Rubio. Uh, and that's uh, after Rubio really threw the kitchen sink at Bush. And, and Rubio's team is out there saying that Bush needs to drop out. Well, if I were Bush, I would be rubbing it right back in Rubio's face. Why do I need to drop out? You're the guy that needs to drop out. Um so yeah, again, I get well Rubio, uh, I, I guess his it, I guess his theory is to, he's trying to tell Jeb that because of the the Bush family and that there's no way that, you know, Bush can can I, I'm not not sure what his his point was earlier telling Bush that one of us has to go or we're gonna end up with with Trump. You know, I didn't even well, really yeah, I mean I think I think he's right that one of them has to go or they're gonna end up with Trump. But but that being said, um, you know, there's not much more positive to Rubio than there is to Bush. Um right. Rubio is but I mean Bush was Rubio's mentor. Right. Uh, they're not, they, they believe the exact same thing. And, um, the, you know, the question is, is Rodney Bush, I think, is just a little bit more honest about right. it. Now, when but, getting um, into the general, what inside, as I'm looking at some of these exit polls, I've got some questions here that, that's kind of a noodle scratcher for me. When half of the New Hampshire voters say they wanted an outsider, I'm wondering why Cruz didn't do better in that, you know, how Kasich could end up being a big winner in a state where so many people, it was important to them to have an outsider because Cruz is typically considered to be far greater of an outsider. And is that a little bit of some troubling news to Cruz? That, that Well, look, I, I think Cruz, Cruz spent less than a million dollars in New Hampshire. And for him, again, it's not final yet, but with 76% then he's in third place with 12%. And looks like he's going to finish the night in third in third place, and for having spent less than a million dollars in New Hampshire, I, I mean, look, there's another guy. You got to tip your hat to Ted Cruz. He's done a great, he's done a great campaign here. He has blown through expectations, and look, he's a force going into South Carolina. Look, the guy won Iowa. He won it big, and uh, I think really the, the the you're going to see the battle of the Titans heading into Iowa. You're going to see this establishment war kind of shrink. I think down to three guys, depending on what Christie ends up deciding when he goes home to New, New Jersey between Kasich, Bush, and Rubio, but you're also going to see this battle of the titans above that establishment, uh, you know, infighting uh, between Trump and Cruz, and it's going to be a fight. It's going to, they're going to, I mean, both of them are impressive guys. 
They've got incredible operations. Mm -hmm. uh, and both of them have great messages for the future of the country. Yeah. And to be honest with you, if either one of them wins, it's a win for the grassroots. It's really a win for the grassroots. It's a win for conservatives. Uh, and I think the supporters of either team can get easily get behind the other one. Um, well, I would hope so, because I actually, I don't believe there's there's no perfect candidate for me. I see you know flaws in each and every one, because they're human beings, and everybody's flawed, and right. nobody has a perfect life, a per perfect record, or a perfect set of skills. I mean, everybody's got strengths and areas of opportunity. So I'm hoping that everybody will coalesce behind whoever the Republican nominee uh, ends up being. As we go into South Carolina, I want to pick your brain on that a little bit, because what do, we, what do you think we really need to know about South Carolina? Because, I mean, we know it's Southern. We know that it's got, you know, uh, you know, New Hampshire is a largely white state. I hate to get into identity politics, but the identity of South Carolina is very different than New, ha New Hampshire. We've got Southern, uh, the Bible Belt. We've got Blacks. We've got a large military base. Who? Do, what are you? What are you well, on the looking Republican for? Side, on the Republican side, you're going to see. Uh, so there's two parts of South Carolina on the Republican side. There's the high country and there's the low country. So the high country is like your Greenville, Spartanburg areas, into a little bit of Columbia, uh, then Clemson, etc. Those tend to be very conservative areas. Those are like Trey Gowdy's district and Jeff Duncan's district. Those two guys are great conservative congressmen. Then you've got the low country, which is uh, down on the coast, like Charleston and Myrtle Beach. And Myrtle Beach tends to be pretty conservative. Charleston tends to be a little bit more moderate, uh, establishment-centric. Um, I think that, uh, you know, the, the big thing is, again, you're going to see, but again, South Carolina is a much more conservative state than New Hampshire. Uh, it's much more conservative, I think, than Iowa even. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, I really do think we might have a, a really good idea of who's going to be the nominee coming out of South Carolina. Because I do think it's going to be a battle of the titans between Cruz and Trump there. But that being said, um, you know, the other thing is, again, you see the Rubio guys continue to push this narrative that Bush has got to go. Well, Bush has a better uh, chance among the establishment side of things, I think, because who's the major guy that just endorsed him a few weeks ago that dropped out is Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham, who's, I mean, the, really the, the face of the Washington establishment, this guy's a machine politician. Right. He runs that state with, like a, you know, with, with an iron fist. All right. Lindsey Graham is one of the biggest machine politicians in America, probably the biggest in the South right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, his machine is behind Jeb Bush. And yeah, it's and, not and, behind Marco Rubio. Right. And if you're the year the the outsider, do you really want a Lindsey Graham, you know, endorsement? Because, you know, the, he's not exactly a favorite of of the conservatives. So, you know, and, and then right. there's an argument that can be made that Rubio is an establishment guy because he's still got the gang of eight thing hanging around his neck. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, compared to Bush, you know, he seems pretty much, you know, like the outsider is how how much is Biden getting over to the Democrats right now. First of all, we know that Hillary's working on her South Carolina accent as she's getting ready to go down and go into a black church and start to do um, some preaching. Bernie Sanders' victory tonight here was uh, shocking and seismic. Uh, I, I think the Clinton operation, which Bernie Sanders in his victory speech referred to as the most powerful political organization in America that he went up against and was trailing big time in the very beginning when he first jumped into the race in New Hampshire, you know, eight months ago or something. Um, I mean, they, they are trembling right now. The Clinton campaign is in panic. Right. Um, they're still expected to win South Carolina. But Iowa was a lot closer than anybody ex anybody expected, and the fact that Bernie drew that one out to basically a draw 
is got to be sending sh- uh, shivers up the spines of everybody working for Secretary Clinton. There's already talk before uh, South Carolina of a campaign shakeup uh, right. inside the Clinton operation. They're circulating memos. They're, dis- they're talking about reorganization. Uh, there's questions as to whether or not Robbie Mook, the campaign manager, is going to be able to continue to deliver um, in that position. And, you know, again, the South is 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 a different ball game than New Hampshire or or uh, Iowa, but uh, you know I think with the momentum that Bernie has after this seismic victory, I would not count him out at all heading into these southern states, uh, not just South Carolina, but the states afterwards, uh, and also Nevada. Right. I think Bernie Sanders is a gravitational force on the left, and we'll, we'll see if that continues. We'll see. Now, speaking of the B word, might there be some other candidates with the letter B circling, like maybe Biden? You think maybe Biden or are, are Biden and Bloomberg circling like buzzards right now over Hillary and her Bloomberg, carcass? I think Bloomberg, considering an independent run, is more likely. Though I still don't think he'll end up doing it in the end. I might be wrong. But the left doesn't like him just as much as the right doesn't like them, and um, which is you know very interesting, I find, from when talking to a lot of people on the left. Um, but more importantly, Biden, it's kind of too late in the ballgame for Biden to get in. I mean, there's a lot of filing deadlines that have passed for a lot of these primaries. So, I mean, I really do think that people might end up with Bernie. Uh, I mean, it's going to be Bernie or Clinton. Because, again, to get on the ballot in a lot of these states, you have to file throughout the year before, right? Like, I mean, some of these deadlines were back in November or October or uh, throughout December uh, or throughout January. I mean, it's not like you can just jump in and say, I'm running today. Um, There's a process that you have to go through. You have to raise money. You have to get on the ballot. You have to hire campaign staff. You can't just jump in tomorrow. So, I, I mean, maybe there could be convention games down the road if she does end up getting indicted with this FBI investigation into the, the email, uh, whereby the, the Democrats, to prevent Sanders, uh, would do something like a nominate Liz Warren or Bert, Bert, Joe Biden at the convention. But, uh, again, until, I mean, that's the kind of thing you can't really see coming until it happens. But, right. um, I mean, I, I, I don't see any movement on that front just because of the, the, the filing deadlines have already all passed. You know, I hadn't thought about that. It, I think people are just kind of excited. It's such an exciting year anyway for politics. I think people are kind of excited over thinking about, you know, Hillary having her, you know, dreams dashed by Biden swooping <laughs> in, you know, at the, at the convention and, you know, avoiding the all the primary bruising. That, that tends to take place and knocking her out, but it doesn't sound like it's very likely. Uh, well, thank you so much for calling in. Last, uh, any final thoughts before I let you go tonight? Well, yeah, to follow up on that last point about it being an exciting year in politics, you know what's interesting? The song choice that Donald Trump has been using to come out and come off stage for his speeches over the past couple of days has been Revolution by the Beatles, and I don't think there's a better song uh, that he could have picked for, for this. Uh, I mean, that's what it is. It's a revolution by the people against the political class. They've decided that they're done with these politicians and career politicians and that they're going to seek new representation. And that's what the Constitution and the founders laid out for people to do, and they're doing it. And they're doing it on both sides of the political aisle. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah, I absolutely love it because you know what? Our founders, were were, were they career politicians? Were these people that had spent 50 years yeah. in public office? No. And, and, and our Congress people traditionally 
unfortunately worked in their districts. They had full time jobs out in their district. They weren't, you know, uh, spending two days a week, you know, jawboning in D.C. and the rest of the time fundraising and living off the people and amassing great amount of, of wealth. So there's still a lot of people that say, you know what, you know, they don't we need somebody who's got experience. Well, you know, I, I think a lot of Americans are saying, you know what, maybe we might need to take a chance on a different type of experience because the experience in terms of the career politicians hasn't really worked out too terribly well for us. Well, I'm glad it worked out for you to make it on the show tonight. Thank you so much. And I look forward to having you back and keeping me abreast of what's happening out there, Matthew. Have a great night. All right. You too. Stay warm. All right. We're going to take a break and we come back. We got more to talk about on the other side of the break. It is Mardi Gras. It is New Hampshire primary night. We are partying and celebrating right here on the Andrew K Show, AM 1170, The Answer, KCBQ. Want more Andrea Kay? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego-style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. Fresh Healthy Vending, the nation's largest healthy vending company, is looking for locations in this area to place its latest innovation, a fresh, healthy micromarket at absolutely no cost to your business. A fresh, healthy micromarket is like a mini health food store for your office break room. Choose from breakfast meals, fresh salads, wraps, hot meals, smoothies, cold-pressed juices, and more, all at a convenient self-checkout kiosk. Now you can offer your employees exactly what they want. All natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micromarket generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. It's a little hard for me to stay focused when I hear that music coming back from the break. Thanks again to Matthew Bull for, for calling in tonight and, and debating with me and chatting with me about everything that's going on. It's truly exciting. Um, it is a revolution. I do think that's an interesting choice of a song for Trump. And while it may be exciting, though, I got to tell you, I'm a little bit... I, I, it's exciting on the one sense, but it's also kind of a little disturbing to me on the other that I, I was listening to Sanders's acceptance speech tonight. And I was, first of all, j- just when I thought it, I couldn't hear anybody be more grating when speaking, out comes Sanders to the microphone. And then I'm listening to his speech and I'm listening to the lies coming out of him as he said, uh, for example, our society was based on fairness. And that's that's the kind of government I'm going to have. No, actually, no, our society was not based on fairness. Our society was based on opportunity. But they but they that's not what the left is about. They want to pretend that it's about fairness, about about seeking fairness or seeking equality. But what it's actually about is the unequal quality and the false quest for for 
equality. Did I say that right? They're actually, they discriminate against people under the false quest for equality. It's about socialism. This is a man who's, who's blatantly about socialism. And you know what? People in massive droves. My friend and I on Facebook who said that people have lost their minds in New Hampshire were absolutely, he's right. They have lost their minds. Or have they really lost their minds? Or is it really they're just a product of the left? You know, Hillary's, you know, upset tonight because, you know, she seven out of um, seven to one. The young vote is going for Bernie. Well, how can that be? Shouldn't she be coronated? Well, you know what, Hillary, if you're upset right now that you've lost, you and the left only have yourselves to blame because what's going on right now, this revolution for Sanders is a direct result of the fact that the left, through their indoctrination of the, of the school system, the education systems, we now have 18 to 34 year olds who have no idea what socialism is. In fact, I think we've got a clip that there was a a reporter who asked them at a Bernie Sanders rally. I'm not sure if it was. I think it might have even been in Iowa. What socialism is. I want you to hear the response. Socialism. Socialism. Can you define socialism? Can I define socialism? Probably not. If I'm being totally honest. Socialism. Oh, boy. I don't think I can. Like Social Security, roads, Medicaid, depending on the form that it takes. Um, anything that's sort of come together and publicly funded and through our government would be socialism. Um, I might be wrong, so if you make me look like a fool on the news, I'll forgive you for it. But Hillary said, no, you can't. To me, that's just like telling Dr. Martin Luther King, you, you, you couldn't dream. There's nothing wrong with dreaming. We want to teach our kids to dream. You cannot drink. You can drink. And it can be possible with a political revolution. Say what? <laughs> what? And and uh, you'll have to Google that clip, but that actually wasn't say anybody. What? Yeah, say what? She wasn't even 18 to 34. This was an older lady who, who stumbled all over herself somehow trying to connect the dots between Bernie Sanders and Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King supposedly, he said in his speech, not supposedly, that we should be judged by, you know, the content of our character. It was supposed to be about equal opportunity, not supposed to be about a centralized government deciding to, to seize everybody's property and deciding to, to dole it out. And that's what this man is all about. If you look at the exit polls in New Hampshire, I do think it's kind of a snapshot to where we are as a country and where the parties are at. If you look at the exit polls, the Republicans said two thirds of them said that they they wanted, they liked, two-thirds of the voters in New Hampshire said that they liked the idea of, of Trump's temporary ban. Because 9 out of 10, temporary ban on Muslims coming into this country, because 9 out of 10 of them were scared about an, another terrorist attack. And the majority of the Republicans who voted, in, and the independents, most of them said they were looking for an outsider. The message from the Republicans was that they wanted, they wanted somebody who was going to take care of them and, and protect us first and our citizens first. And it was about an outsider who was going to have the courage and the strength to do that. What was the left all about? If you look at their exit polls, they said that they wanted somebody who was an experienced politician. They basically were looking for big government. They said uh, for the Democrats, their biggest concern was that they they said that the future looked like it was going to be worse for future generations than it was in the past. But that's the stu- that's the crazy of the left because while they they're complain while they're complaining about a government that's failed them so much so to where future generations are going to have it worse than what we've got right now. What is the left wanting to do? Double down and have more government solutions. 
while the voters on the right and in some of the interviews, not just the exit polls themselves, but in the live interviews that I saw, a lot of the people who voted Trump got huge numbers of the people who were concerned about the economy. And I saw some interviews with these voters who said and specifically that's why they broke for him was over the economy. Reports about a Ford plant moving to Mexico, the border, the economic border, TPP. They all saw that Trump was the one who was going to take care of the economy and he was going to take care of terrorism. They've lost the Republicans have lost trust in the government and the Democrats are doubling down on the government. That's what's coming out of out of New Hampshire on both sides of the party. And that's really the message on both sides of the aisle. And that's really the message to both parties. And to me, that really does represent where we're at. We're going to take one very quick break. We come back. Speaking of indoctrination, I have got a story uh, about indoctrination in the school system in Henrico, Virginia, to talk about. And a couple other, uh, you know, who's talking about North Korea right now? we got to talk about that, too. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Be sure to follow Andrea K. on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. And follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. spelled K-A-Y-E. Want to start living better, longer? La Vida Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657-333. Miramar Kitchen you're listening to the Andrea K show on AM 1170 the answer welcome back to the Andrea K show let's go see the Mardi Gras um having a great time here tonight thanks again to Matthew Boyle for calling in before the break we were talking about the indoctrination of these kids you know it's it's worked you know what Hillary you and the left y'all took over the education system and you know what it's passed you by lady it's a, it's it's passed you by all the way that these kids y'all brought up are all the way into full on socialism and they're continuing the indoctrination. In fact, a story came out of Henrico, Virginia. A lot of complaints from some teacher from some uh, parents because a video during Black History Month was shown and, and here the name of the video was "Structural Discrimination: The Unequal Opportunity Race." See, they got to attack opportunity. This is the challenge that we have as a Republican Party going into the general election, whoever gets the nomination, because we already have almost half Americans, 40-something percent, receiving some kind of, quote, government assistance. How do we, how do we as a party, how do we, if, if we need to roll back government, and we've, we've got $19 trillion in debt, 
and we've got to cut back on these entitlement programs. How do we sell conservatism, which is about opportunity, not about handouts, when we've got 40-something percent of the Americans on the dole and we've got our school system putting out videos like this attacking opportunity? Attacking the very heart of America, uh, of America, and I googled, I watched this video, and it shows these four kids coming out of a at, out of the um, track blocks, starting a race, and the two black kids in the race just have all these kinds of obstacles that keep popping up in their path, and it, it shows them one obstacle. It shows them. Um, Housing segregation, it says, and it shows this sad black person peeking through the gates in at some mansions, of course. It shows a brick wall popping up with a dead end on it. It shows them being racially profiled. I mean, you would watch this video, you would actually think that it's like 1959 again in America. It doesn't even remotely represent the fact that if that you, every American right now, absolutely has equal opportunity. And if you are not achieving whatever it is you want to achieve in, in your life, it's on you. This country was founded on nothing but opportunity. And conservatism is about individual freedom and individual responsibility. But they want to they want to continue to feed that victimhood mindset in order then to convince Americans that the solution to everybody's circumstances, nothing's your fault. Whatever your circumstances are, no matter how bad they are, the solution is government. In fact, that's one of the things that bothered me about the Republican debate in terms of Trump and Cruz. This whole thing about New Hampshire's got all this heroin addiction problems. You know what? I don't. Do we need to secure the border? Do we need to keep the drugs from coming across from Mexico? Absolutely. But where was the discussion about individual responsibility? That's something the Republican Party. We've got a cultural problem here in America. We have. Uh, manufactured victims. Nobody's responsible for anything anymore. And it feeds this notion that, that the government is supposed to be the solution. And that's not what the Republican Party is supposed to be about. Um, one of the things that came out in the debate was, what do we do about North Korea? And you know Bush now, he's all trying to act like he's Mr. Tough Guy. He's saying we need to. They're testing an H-bomb right now. It's a It's a miniature H-bomb that's supposed to fit on some kind of other, you know, weapon, but it's, it is what it is. I don't know how much of the voters in New Hampshire who were concerned about a terrorist attack, I don't know, and, and they gave and they voted for Trump on, on that basis in part. I don't know if they were thinking about North Korea, but I really wish that we as a party were spending a little bit more time talking about these threats. We have so many that we're faced with. And to think that North Korea now has a nuclear weapon that they are testing and we're not doing anything about it should really kind of scare everybody. Trump is saying, you know what, we got to let China deal with it. I actually saw General Keene on Fox News kind of say something similar that we really need to just increase our sanctions and we need to put pressure on China. Um, Bush is saying we need to do a preemptive strike. I'd be curious to see what you guys think that we need to do about North Korea, if anything. We face so many different threats right now from so many different areas that it's kind of overwhelming. Um, and it's and it's almost kind of off people's radar screens, North Korea, and whether or not it's actually even a real threat. Um, I've only got a few minutes left. I actually um, wanted to do something a little bit different. It was actually a suggestion to me that I actually talk a little bit tonight 
I don't know if, if all of you are going to think about this or agree with this, but actually um, one of my buddies suggested that I talk a little bit about Mardi Gras in Louisiana and kind of give a little bit of a, a history in terms of what it means to us down there and a little bit of a background. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. it in part, I don't want to bore everybody. Um, I'm not sure how many people are interested in this. Um, and also, I'm also not really sure how you really articulate what a culture means to your soul. And I've been really pondering this because it is something that's so important to me and who I am as a person. And I love sharing everything about my life with you guys out there. And I would love so much to share this aspect with those of you that, that didn't grow up in New Orleans and, and aren't that familiar with it. So maybe I'll share a little bit with you. But I was kind of thinking about that line in Pretty Woman where they go to see the opera. And he says to her, you know, some people, you know, fall in love with it immediately. Others don't. They may learn to appreciate it, but it's never going to actually be a part of their soul. And and I was kind of thinking about that. I mean, there's people that can go to New Orleans and, and, and you know, go to a Mardi Gras parade and enjoy it, but it's they're never really, it's not going to really speak to their soul. I don't know if I can, so I don't know that I can even really convey what it means. So I'll tell you a little bit of some background in terms of Mardi Gras and, and kind of what it means to us and our culture. Cause there are some things about it that not everybody knows. Like I had a king cake party at my house Friday cause a king cake arrived. What's so what's the king cake? Well, the entire Mardi Gras season is actually based on the Catholic faith. Uh, Mardi Gras season starts on 12th night, which is King's day or the epiphany. And it's 12 days after Christmas and it's about the three Kings. And so that's what the, the, the three Kings, you know, that, Follow the North Star to find Jesus. And so King's Day is the launch of Mardi Gras season. And we bake a cake that's in the shape of a crown for the king. And it's decorated with the three colors. And I don't remember what the three colors mean. One means justice. One means prosperity. And so that's a huge part of our tradition is the king cake party. Somebody brings the first king cake. There's a baby Jesus baked inside. And whoever finds a baby Jesus has to bring the next king cake. And so as I'm even telling this story and thinking, this isn't going to sound like anything really special to people, but you know what? I think it's kind of like any other tradition or any other culture, you know, it's just, it's your culture just becomes a part of who you are and, and what your soul is. And it's a part of the music and it's a part of our love that we have for each other. And in our faith is so much about who we are as people. So the king cake is a large part of it. As part of Mardi Gras season, we have these parades. What are these parades about? Well, these parades are about crews, spelled K-R-E-W-E, and these are organizations, and you kind of become a part of a crew. You have to fill out an application, costs a lot of money. You got to be approved to be a part of these crews. It's an incredibly special thing to be accepted into these crews, and they have these parades, the parades involve these massive, amazing floats that are built by the Blaine Kern uh, warehouse. Most of them are. And each one has a theme. Some of these have celebrities like Endymion and Bacchus, which is the best parade of all. The most elaborate floats are at Bacchus. We always have a celebrity who is the king of Bacchus. But the king of all carnival is Rex, and Rex rolled today. And Rex is always a local, and is the king and queen. And every parade... And every uh, ends with a big ball, and that's where they crown the king and queen, and they present the royal court. And so Rex is the king of all carnival, and that was today. Um, my favorite, one of my favorite parades that I used to go to was the Crew of Tux, which was out of Tulane University. And um, it was named after the bar, uh, Friar Tux. 
And each parade throws out the throws that you get to pick what you want to throw out. And the crew at Tux used to throw out rolls of, rolls of toilet paper because they're like frat boys from Tulane. So, you know what? I mean, it's, it's, it's the kind of stuff that I think that, you know, it speaks to me and my soul when you're standing there in, this, in, in the side of the parades and you're screaming, throw me something, mister, and the crowd is growing. And you hear, you know, all of a sudden you hear your favorite band, St. Augs, coming and they're playing that Mardi Gras music. I mean, it's just, it's just a part of my soul and in a way that I cannot possibly convey. So... Thank you, T, for asking me to talk a little bit about it. I hope I, hope I didn't bore you all to tears with it. Um, it's just a part of who I am and a part of what I love, and nothing makes me happier than hearing that Mardi Gras music and, and celebrating with my family. Uh, Fat Tuesday is the culmination of Mardi Gras season because tomorrow is Lent, and people have to sacrifice something for 40 days for Lent. Not me. I'm actually not Catholic, so I don't have to give up anything. But usually uh, people give up chocolate or alcohol or something that they really love. And uh, because they want to make a sacrifice. And that's really it. That's that's Mardi Gras season. And it doesn't really sound very special, but it kind of is to all of us. I think whatever anybody's culture is, whatever they grew up with, you know, is, is kind of special, you know, to them. And uh, we have a lot of special foods that we eat during Mardi Gras time. Um, but we kind of eat those other than the king cake. We kind of eat that all throughout the year. Uh, during Lent, people only eat fish on Fridays. They don't eat meat. So um, that's kind of, but that may be something that people do everywhere. Um, I pledge to, one of the things that I want to do, there's a new parade, a new crew down there called Muses that's become a hot thing. And it is all women. And all the parade floats are like giant, like high-heeled shoes, which is pretty amazing. So I got to get down there to me. I've never even been to Muses. This is, it's fairly new. Um, Harry Connick Jr. actually started Orpheus. About 15 years ago, I think it was one of the first parades, one of the first parades actually that included black people. So that was an integration of of the communities for the first time, which was pretty special. So, you know, what are these plastic beads about? Why do they mean so much? Well, you know what it just does. You know, why is it special to stand out there and scream and have somebody throw something and hit you in the head? You know, on Zulu, on Mardi Gras Day, they used to throw out coconuts. That was was one of the black parades. They stopped doing that because people were getting conked in the heads. I can't tell you why a string of plastic beads means something on Mardi Gras Day when Wednesday they're laying in the street and they mean nothing. I can't tell you why this speaks to my soul and why that music, when I hear the St. Augustine band marching towards me, why why that brings tears to my eyes. I can't tell you why it, I just can't wait to get that king cake from Liz and have it arrive at my house when I could order it myself, but it just means so much more to me that, that my girl from my, my life and from my childhood sent that to me. I can't explain it. Thank you T for asking me to share that. Hopefully, you know, I can convey what it means to my soul and you know what you got. What was that? All right, that's my goodbye song. Speaking of my soul, hey, thanks for joining me tonight. I'm here every Monday and Tuesday night, 8 p.m., right here on AM 1170, The Answer. Happy Mardi Gras, and have a great night, everybody. Love you all. The Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Andrea K. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.